Hey, Pip, have you seen this? What? Hey, Amanda, have you heard that? What? Hey, have you been there, Jacinta? You're listening to the live podcast from Shire Pod, and we are keeping you connected to the Sutherland Shire community with this roaming podcast coming from a cafe near you. And welcome to the fifth episode of the Been There podcast, where we bring you news, entertainment, events, and weather from the shores of Cronulla to the bushland in Heathcote. Now, we know that you, when you cross those bridges over the Georges River, Alfred's Point Drive or under the waterfall overpass, your home. And this is what's happening in your hometown because today we are in Sutherland. The heart and birthplace of the Shire. This suburb of Sutherland Shire is steeped in history and controversy and stories of growth dating back to 1770. We have a strong and historical Indigenous culture and we acknowledge we are on the lands of the Darawal people and pay our respects. And you are listening to the Been There podcast, the live podcast keeping you connected to your community and giving you your weekly caffeine shot, as you can hear it, in a cafe where we are. Which is? We're in Sweet Mayhem, which is just off, uh, it is on Eaton Street at Sutherland. Now, we are a roaming podcast, so we go all around the Shire in our, to the local cafes and we bring you the latest of what's going on and we speak to the business owners. Now, this episode is brought to you by the Local Business Awards and is on a bit of a, I don't know, tangent maybe? We, we don't know, quite know. It's the post-mid, post mid post COVID-19 Community Initiative with ShirePod, the station creating the sound waves of the Shire. Mainly because we can't decide if the COVID crisis is over yet or not. Good morning, Daydreamer. It's nice to see you online this morning. And I'm your host, Pip Ray. And I'm your host, JJ. And today we are also joined by the owner of Sweet Mayhem, Maria, and her chefs who have been baking up a storm all night in the kitchen and serve up delicious treats and meals. And this coffee... Is pretty good. Yeah, Leroy is awesome. Uh, <laughs> He's gotten to the point where he knows our orders. <laughs> I know, just wave it. And uh, now Maria is going to be revealing who her roaster is later on in the show. Uh, now this episode is also dedicated to our women in sport this week, Pip. Oh, it is my topic. It's my heart warmer. Uh, so we'll be hearing from mum and daughter duo Paula and Sophie Hunt from the Joey's Netball Club, uh, along with their president Marianne Lee and 16-year-old netball sensation Kira. Oh, now I sat down with them earlier in the week and everything was on the table, literally from why they play, falling participation rates after the age of 15, competition and losing representative teams and dealing with not being selected. I can understand why it's falling, can you? Yes, I can. Yep. Well, well, you're actually going to hear that from Carol because when I spoke to her yesterday, Carol is from the Women's Sport Australia. Uh, so she's, uh, yeah, she's an advocate for women in sport and for gender equality and uh, she's going to tell us a little bit about how we can fix the problem. But basically it comes down to a couple of factors. One of them uh, that she mentioned was confidence. Very interesting. The confidence of women and uh, that's what struck a chord with me. And who else have you spoken to this week, Pip? Because you've been busy today. I have. I've also spoken with inclusion officer and former basketball champion Rachel Herrick. See, and I'll also you'll be chatting with somebody a little bit later as well here. Yeah, I'm. Um, I'm actually looking forward to this one. I'm chatting with Michelle Hadley from the Care and Concern Outreach Program, who are from the Saint Aloysius um, Catholic Church in Cronulla. 
They'll be talking about their program and ha- and the sweet support that Maria and the team here provide them. Oh, nice pun. Yes. Very nice. Thank Very you. Nice. Uh, okay. Uh, good morning to uh, Steffi J and Owen this morning too. Thank you oh, for joining us. I'll tell you what, they are regulars, aren't they? They, they need a coffee. Yes. We'll have to send them like another little gift pack or something. Yes. I'll speak to them on Sunday and let them know that we love them. Yeah. Now, if you do jump online, you can ask any of the questions that you want us to ask our guests if they're live. Um, and, uh, yeah, or any of the businesses in the area, if you want to give yourself a shout out, send in a message via the Podbean app. Apparently, Katie would like some mud cake this morning. So if you're lucky, I might drop by. Um, so there's so much planned for this morning show. Let's get to it. Uh, can you just give me some good news first, Jacinta? Okay, so a new Service New South Wales Centre opens its doors today. It will relieve pressure off the existing centre in Miranda and bring co- uh, convenience for southern, uh, southern parts of the Sutherland Shire. Now, that's a mouthful. <laughs> I know, we're going to be talking about that a little bit <laughs> later on. <laughs> All right, now, the member for Heathcote, the Lee Evans, announced doors would open today mm-hmm. to local residents last month. And he also said that's great news for the community because it's a one-stop shop centre that will make life easier. Well, we all know it's all about uh, vehicle registrations, driver's licence, senior cards, births, deaths and marriage certificates. And speaking about the sports, women in sports this week, uh, it's um, also the initiatives for the $100 Creative Kids and Active Kids vouchers, as well as other incentives including the energy switch. Right, so with sport going back, parents can now claim for registrations for the club and sport participation fees uh, and it's just a perfect time to either log on or drop into the Ingadine Centre. Which is where? Ah, it is located at 1040, the old Princess Highway, Ingadine. Now that is the Ingadine Town Square Shopping Centre, open between 8.30 and 5.30, Monday to Friday and 8.30, 12.30, even on a Saturday. Even on a, on a Saturday. Even on a Saturday. <laughs> That's good. Uh, so now for the weather. In Sutherland at the moment, it is definitely a fresh at 9 degrees. We'll see the sun out today with the temperature reaching a high of 16 degrees. And it looks like the weekend will pretty much be the same. Saturday will be sunny and reach a high of 18. And much the same on Sunday. It looks like we're in for a stunning winter weekend. And whoever's getting that coffee, it sounds good. <laughs> Now, we thought we'd tell you a little bit more about the Sutherland Shire as well as the suburb Sutherland as we go through the entertainment and events in this morning. And just a quick shout out to Tam who's joined us this morning too. Oh, Tam and after your big late night last night. (laughs) She was working. (laughs) Okay, that's what she's telling us. Now, I'm very happy to announce that Shire Pod is producing a history walking tour podcast with the Sutherland Shire Historical Society this year. Now, they're a group of dedicated volunteers who cultivate and preserve information about people, places, decisions and events that have shaped the history of the Sutherland Shire. And they will be sharing their research, the stories and a whole heap of facts about each suburb in the walking tour. It's a really big project, about 42 episodes. And we've got Tess Dow on as our narrator. She's a local historian and she's 22 years old. Go figure. Yeah. That, she's brilliant. It's nice when we end up with a younger generation being yeah. interested in the history of this area. She's really interested. And talking about history in this area, did you know that this is the, um, it, literally right across from us, is the original school for the area? I did. I did. Do you want to stay on script now? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we also have new podcast series getting ready to launch next month. 
Uh, Shy Walks. Oh, no, that was already oh, that was done. We've done that Thank one. You. Here we go. We're on to the facts of the Sutherland Shire. Say, I was on the on track. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're feeling a bit old today, unlike our 22-year-old historian, mm. uh, this should put things into perspective for you. That prior to the European settlement, this region was home to an Aboriginal community. With Gweagle people. A Durrawal-speaking clan. Yes, we've been practising that one. All right, there is evidence from the Kurrarang an area in the Royal National Park that shows occupation dates back to about 8,200 years before today, making it one of the oldest coastal sites in the Sydney region. So if you want to know more about all of these um, locations that you can visit in the Shire, uh, feel free to access the National Parks and Wildlife Services website for more information. Now, most people know that most of the land here uh, towards the late 19th century was owned by Thomas Holt after James Cook landed in Cornell in 1770. But we're going to skip over a few facts here because it really is uh, such a suburb that holds so much and we want to save it for the podcast. Well, it's, you know, it's a bit <laughs> like trying to discuss the origins of the name Sutherland. Please Google it because there is yeah. so many different controversies. Not, we can't do that, but we do know something. But you can find more facts in the Sutherland Library, which is located in Belmont Street on the other side of Sutherland to us or on the website sullenshireaustralia.com.au. And that's where you'll find us because we've got a new link on that one. Woo-hoo. All right. Now, the whole of Sutherland en- uh, encompasses a total area of 370 squares, but Sutherland, the suburb itself, is only four kilometres squared. It has the postcode of 2232. And it's the home to the council chambers, the first school in the Shire and... Sutherland Primary School. Yeah. Who's the mayor? Carmelo. Ah, that's right. Yeah, got to go and like him. Yes. Like him and shout him. Out, yep. Shout out to Carmelo. Um, We're coming to Banchini's. Yes. Or Banachini's, I think they call it. I'm sure they'll tell us correctly when we get there. Yeah. Now, the population here is 11,451, which is an increase of 2,500 from 2016. Uh, it was established as a town in 1906 after the Royal Commission on Local Government Areas in 1905, accepted by submission by someone. Now, why is that important? Tell me why that's important because that next line is very important. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we were laughing about this. Everyone jokes about us being south but Bankstown over near Menai. We almost became part of the Illawarra, so we could have been North Wollongong. I know. I'm just going to thank that Royal Commission. <laughs> All right. Now, the, um, the, back, then, back then, it was primarily miners and small farmers and suburban residents uh, it's been described by homely.com.au as a great place to live. It has a leafy and green aspect in parts, great council facilities, libraries, leisure centres and skate parks. That's the Sutherland Leisure Centre. Yes. Yeah, and it's about 30 kilometres from the CBD, which is weird because when we were in Kirraweed last week, it was 252 and I'm pretty sure Kirawee's not five kilometres away. Yeah, I think there's a reason for that, but we'll get back to that. And a big shout out to Mahi, who's just joined us as well. Oh, Awesome. Now, two of the most significant features here in Sutherland is one of them is definitely the railway station. And despite being located in Sutherland, it was actually named after John Sutherland. <laughs> he was the Minister for Works for the extension of the railway line across the Georges River, which is the, like the Como Bridge. So no matter which way we were looking at it, we were going to be called Sutherland. That's right. Yep. I'm feeling we weren't going to escape that. No. So the railway station, now this is really interesting, was opened on the 26th of December 1885. Now, Pip and I were t- talking about this. Why do it? On Boxing Day. Now, I believe in those days it would have been a free day off work and they wanted the crowds. I've seen photos 
of um, the opening of the railway line and it was packed down there at Sutherland. Yeah, well, considering there was only 16 families here in 1895. I think it's because everyone actually used that as the junction to Waterfall, Wollongong and Cronulla. So people used to come to Sutherland to actually go to the beach at Cronulla or visit the park down mm. here at National Park. Or they took the short branch line to the Warrenora Cemetery. Really short. Really short. It's a um, bit of a dead end, that end. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we did have a tram line here and, uh, you know, there's a bit of trivia going on about the Princess Highway. Can you tell me about that? Because that was really quite interesting. Uh, the Princess Highway Sutherland Bypass opened in September 1975. But tell me about the, uh, the spelling thing that you told me yesterday. Oh, okay. That was really quite bizarre. See, Pip, I don't know why it she's mattered. rolling her eyes at me at the moment because there's these little pieces of trivia I throw at her when we do our research. You can't really have apostrophes in um, some map standards. So it's actually the Prince's as in the prince owns this highway and the apostrophe has been taken out. So it's not the princess, it's the prince's highway. But it sounds like that. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I tell you, it's just irrelevant, really. It really is. Um, and that's – so basically there was a lot of um, people down here, but they weren't actually living, were they? No. The cemetery now holds about 137,000 cremated people and 90,000 buried. That's impressive, isn't it? That's very impressive. So, And we have a whole heap from the Devonshire Street Cemetery, which was actually, um, they were all moved around and put down here because the Central Railway Station was being built. Oh. Hmm. Uh, the first school at Sutherland was constructed of weatherboard and corrugated iron, a brick chimney, one cupboard for stationery, it, that wouldn't have suited me, and six benches for seating. So that's the uh, lovely building across the street. They've been working on that and doing upgrades the yep. last couple of months. And my mum actually went to school there and she also left there in that 1959 to go to Fort Hacking, which was the first year wow. of the high school there. In 1987, it celebrated its centenary. So oh, that's pretty That was nice. a good story, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, so you can check out all of these. They've got some a great history sites um, all over the interweb. You can uh, read about the history, but we did want to talk to you about this funny bit in here, which is our last piece of trivia for today, and that is that Sutherland has two hotels, one called the Boyles Hotel and one called the Railway Hotel. Now, the Boyles Hotel was actually the first hotel in Sutherland, and it was built in the late 1800s by Bramley, but it was originally called the Railway Hotel. It was later renamed Boyles, though, after its owner, Ted Boyle, when he took it over in 1901. We're not going to the railway, we're going to the Boyles. We're yep. going to Boyles Hotel. But then the Railway Hotel now sits on East Parade on the western side <laughs> of the railway line. Someone really had a naming I, convention um, problem I feel there. we just had some serious issues going on back then. And was once owned by a woman named Catherine Major in 1893. And it's Relevant. funny, I really love... Women that are, you know, running businesses even in the late 1800s around Sydney and that's... They own the oldest business in the business. Well, now, okay. some of the families that are in the <laughs> Sutherland Shire are the Stapletons, the, Brisle the Brinsleys, as well as the Bramleys. Now, I don't know whether you know this, last night where we were at, at the Black Swan, they actually had a map of... Um, the, sorry, what was that last family's name? At Bramley. Of the Bramley estate Yeah, behind that us. And the Holtz were really big. Yeah. Um, now, we also have Club on East, which has been a massive provider, as we found for the last couple of podcasts. They've been donating um, money to a lot of the charities that we've been speaking to, and they have a very proud history um, of the Sutherland United Services Club. Okay. 
All right. I think we got through it all. It was going to be a struggle, but we just wanted to tell you that this is a great place to live. It's the gateway to the south. and um, It is literally the centre of (laughs) Southern Shire. So it's nice to be literally in the centre. Now, we actually do have one of our guests is already here. I'm just going to do a quick introduction. Michelle Hadley works with um, Care and Concern Outreach. Again, that's from St. Aloysius Catholic Church in Cronulla. Michelle, tell us about where you, what, what your connection is. So um, I have been, I live in Cronulla. Um, been living in Cronulla for the last, after think about this, uh, nearly 40 years, despite the accent. It's very strong. I love her it accent. <laughs> um, I live there with my husband. Uh, he's a local businessman and four children. Are we going to shout out to his business? Well, we can do that. Complete wardrobes and shower screens of Kiraway. Yes, I did use them for my own house. Really? You and did? There's Fantastic. a connection right there, not even a degree of separation. You've done very well, haven't we, with that? <laughs> um, so, look, I got involved. I've been a member of uh, St. Aloysius Parish probably for about, to think about this, about 34 years. All my kids went to St. Aloysius Primary School and um, got involved with Care and Concern Outreach, which is a ministry. Um, at the church. Now it's been going on for about 28 years I heard because I spoke to Sue Lewis who um, is also one of the members of this uh, ministry. Tell us what exactly is it that is your main focus? Look we have a uh, I guess a central um, uh, exercise if you like that we we do at Current Concern and that's a friendship dinner. Uh, It's a free um, dinner that we run uh, on the last Saturday of the month Um, And basically, it's open to anyone who wants to come. Uh, We have a big variety of friends and guests who attend. Um, Lots of people who are lonely. Uh, Lots of people who live with um, mental health challenges. Um, And um, we also have um, uh, a local, um, I guess, institution called Sylvanvale. Um, uh, They support independent uh, living uh, for people, adults living with disabilities. Uh, They come along as well. They've been coming along for the last four or five years. So we have um, a big selection of friends who come along. We have uh, uh, people who've been coming along for in excess of 30 years. And they're very much part and parcel of the um, current concern family. So they come along, they have dinner with us, we provide a free dinner. We have a fantastic um, member called Anne Woodhouse and she literally cooks everything. So everything's homemade. Wow. And oh, that's got to be good. Looks fantastic. Yeah. And to boo, you know, she's a fantastic cook as well. So that's How does Maria and Rita here actually help out with this? Look, they're, if you'll excuse the pun, the icing on the cake. Because they supply... <laughs> I'm loving this. Yeah. That was better than my pun. <laughs> they actually supply a dessert for us. Um, I've known Rita and uh, Maria for a while, uh, and they heard about Karen Concern. They came to me and said, look, we would love to do something to help out. Could we provide dessert? And they've been doing that for the last uh, probably 18 months. Uh, the thing about the desserts that I love is they make a dessert specially for us. Uh, and that is just testament to mm. the type of business they run and the type of people they are. So we have this beautiful dessert that I pick up on the last Saturday um, of the month, and it is absolutely gorgeous. 
Uh, we take it along to our dinners. We show everybody the dessert before we cut it up because it's just so oh, lovely. Yeah, these girls treat. are amazing with their presentation of these cakes. They are. And there's there's such, as I say, such love that goes into the preparation of this special dessert. And there's always enough to grind. And not only that, we usually end up, we're, we're able to package some of that dessert and send it off home um, so that people can have it the next day. Oh, that's so fantastic. And we're, we're so grateful to them. Um, and, um, yeah, they've been wonderful. So, so t- I just want to know, how did um, Maria get involved? Well, I, I'm very friendly with Rita, her sister, and then met Maria. So it was really from me coming in to have coffee here. Um, they had a little bit of a journey finding somewhere suitable. Mm. And I was, um, you know, I was aware of that journey. And so when they eventually found this spot in Sutherland, I was so, so pleased with them and so happy. And, yeah, from there, it was really through a friendship. Because I used to work at Newtown and the Black Star was across the road. Yep. And, of course, I walk in and there she is. Isn't that amazing? It's so small. Fantastic. And, of course, the Black Star, fantastic place to do your training. <laughs> yeah. And how good is it to have some, like, a patisserie a, a of this quality yeah. here in Southern Shire? Absolutely. Fantastic. And it's yeah. funny, when I go around and talk to other cafes about other cafes, yeah. I talk about Maria at Sweet Mayhem. Straight off the bat, they talk about how great the cakes are here. Yeah. But I think it's more than the cakes. It's I, the person. It isn't. Tell it. me about her then. She's just fantastic. So I, I think, I think you know, the way they do the biz, their, their business, obviously they have fantastic product, no doubt about that. But you come in here and it's like coming home. They're so personable. Um, and I think the other thing, I think their staff are fantastic, and that's testament to the type of bosses they are. So just love it. Oh. So most of this is self-funded for care and concern. It is. So whereabouts do you get your money from? All right, so way, way back in the day when there were a few more you know, members in care and concern, we're a very, very small core group now. We have had fantastic members who have moved on or you know, taken up other things. So only about four or five of us in the group now. So we rely to a certain extent on the St Aloysius Parish community. Um, they sponsor our dinners. Um, so you can sponsor our dinners for about $300 for each dinner. That's approximately what it costs uh, to run the dinners. We've always had fantastic support from the parish community. We, back in the day, did some fundraising, everything from um, ballroom dancing, a sort of supper evenings, through to your typical Bunnings sausage sizzle we've done it all but that's been in the past and now we really we're too small a group to do any fundraising um but again we've great support from the parish and we've great support from the catholic uh, feeder schools in the area as well so we get a little bit of um fundraising um from them or fundraising um donations from them as well and not only that they come along and they help out at the dinners as well both the primary schools um, and the secondary schools as well. So it's a great platform for the school children to come and do a little bit of local outreach. So I'm just going to do a quick shout out here. This We're talking about St. Aloysius Primary. Absolutely. We're talking about Our Lady of Mercy College at Barony Bay. Yes, that's and right. And we're talking about De La Salle Carrion Bar and sometimes Cronulla, I believe. That's so, exactly right. You know, that's a great idea to keep these schools motivated and helping out our community. I think so. And I, it's lovely to be able to do um, outreach locally, I think, because it's a great starting point for doing mm. sort of outreach further down the track. 
So, yeah, that works really well. So tell me a little bit more. In 2014, I believe one of your members received an award. So gorgeous Robin McCabe. I'm doing a big shout-out for her. She won't particularly like it. She's um, 83 and still going strong in terms of all of her outreach. So both Robin McCabe uh, and Sue Lewis, um, who's a uh, family educator at St Aloysius um, uh, Primary School. Look, they have both been with St Aloysius from the outset. And Robin McCabe basically is our, I think, mentor. So I have never seen anyone who's been so giving of herself. And even to this day at 83, everyone still turns to Robin if they've got an issue. And she, she refers people to us because she's the type of person that people will come to. So she, she was nominated for a Cook Community Award back in 2014, yep. uh, along with, I think, 43 other um, sort of um, charities in, in the Shire. And uh, so she, she was awarded, um, got that award, and then she went on to take out the, the Cook Community Medal. Wow. And we were a very, very small little charity within the uh, Sutherland Shire, so we were absolutely delighted with that. And there was no more deserving person than Robin. So, yeah, big accolades to her for that. that that's I'm so impressed with that, yeah. and and we were. <laughs> what does that mean, though? What does that? Because I mean, yeah, as you'll notice, we got an we got nominated for an award, so we're sort of waiting yeah. to find out what that feels like. Look, I, I think. What does it mean for the for the group? Look, I think it recognises our work. Uh, and I think it work recognises the work of a, a very small little charity that is um, look, doing outreach on a very personal uh, level. So I think Current Concern prides itself in being able to do that sort of one-on-one, listen to people, see where they're at. Uh, if you like, no red tape. Uh, if we can help, be it financially, be it for whatever reason, we're able to do that. And I think that's the essence of parent concern. Meet the need on the day, at the time, and do something about it. We have we have a, a motto, if you like, that we, we sort of run by with current concern. And um, it was a motto that St. Uh, Mary of the Cross, MacKillop, um, was noted for saying, and was, never see a need and do nothing about it. And that's what we try to do, a current concern. Um, uh, and we try and do that on a daily basis. It's amazing. I think that's what it, it's a very transitional stage, isn't it, too? When you're lonely, you might have just lost somebody or you've moved to a new place and you don't have any friends. Yeah. Um, or, you, you know, transitional homelessness, which is what we were talking about last week. Yeah. Um, with Kingsway Care. Yes. You want it to be transitional, so you just need people to be there to support you for those couple of days. Yeah, and I think too, look, I think there are lots of fantastic organisations out there who support people's physical needs, Mm. Uh, and that's absolutely wonderful, and there is a big need for that, but I think at the end of the day, you know, it's um, innate in human beings to want that one-on-one relationship, and um, someone to sit down and talk to them, Mm. listen to them, talk to them again the next time they see them. Look, all of those very simple things. Yeah. Uh, and I think, again, I, I think that's what we do at Current Concern. And connection is really the cure. It is. Isn't it? Like, it is. that's what I found is that if you stay connected, you, yeah. Um, yeah, you've that's got it made. Very well put. Mm. I like that connection. You can have that one. Yeah, oh, thanks. I'll take that then. <laughs> I come up with them all the time. <laughs> but, I mean, connection's been really hard in the last couple of months because of COVID. How have you guys adapted to... The, the needs of these guests that yeah. you have and friends that you have. Yeah. 
for this community. That's exactly right, Jacinta. And that, that has been a little bit of a concern for us. So we stopped hosting our dinners in March because the parish hall, where we host the dinners, which is fantastic, and that is um, given to us by um, the parish to use every last Saturday of every month. So we didn't really know what to do. So we started off, um, Easter followed shortly after that sort of lockdown, and we did just care packages and delivered them to a core group of our guests who we knew were by themselves and, you know, would benefit from that. And then ongoing, what we do is we just keep in touch with people, uh, be it by text or phone to make sure they're okay, or possible, we drop in coffee, food, whatever. So that's an ongoing um that's an ongoing thing that we do. We did then, we had one get-together at a local Chinese restaurant, you know, in, after, straight after sort of that big lockdown, but really ongoing. That's probably not going to be feasible because um, some of our friends and guests um, are a little bit older. Some of them have um, physical um, issues that they're dealing with and it's just a little bit too risky. But again, um, getting back to that connection thing, mm. A text, uh, a phone call, very, very important. And that's what we're trying to do. And unfortunately, they really miss the dinners. Yep. Yeah. That's a hard thing. For some of them, it's their only social, real social interaction. Can I ask how many people you've got turning up to these dinners? So, look, we have a core group of probably about up to 20 people. Mm. Um, and then we have um, three or four different houses from Sylvan Vale who come as well along with our carers. So we can have anything up to about 40 people yeah. at any given time. Wow, yeah, that's a lot. So okay. Care and Concern doesn't just do these friendship dinners though as well. Yeah. Sue was telling me that you actually help other par- uh, parishioners in the church. Um, for example, a little boy that's um, needing help with his meds. Yeah. What other things do you guys actually provide support with? For sure. So, look, we... Um, I love that. For sure. For sure, yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, we're going to take that one. Michelle's going to come and visit us quite regularly because we love her accent. You're lucky you can understand it. Uh, look, um, we do a couple of things. We do another little coffee morning. Again, the, the whole sort of social uh, interaction thing. We do uh, a coffee morning usually now every... Uh, Friday, um, sometimes once a month again, that's sort of on hold a little bit. And we do that just to get any sort of elderly um, parishioners or anybody in the community, anyone who comes to our dinners, uh, come along on the Friday. And they go to a fantastic little cafe, and I'll give a a bit of a plug for this, Anna's on the park. Uh, Come there, meet, have coffee. And it's often through these sort of coffee mornings that you find out. Mm. where people need help yeah because it's a much more intimate uh, situation yeah. uh, and that's very important it's social interaction again. And i love that you're able to ask that question yeah and you know let them sort of tell you Think over so. time when they trust you and they build yeah. up that confidence to yeah. speak to you about it and it's a smaller sort of um get together so that works really well and gorgeous anna from the cafe she has been so accommodating of all the wonderful um, and colourful characters we sometimes have mm. come along um, at those coffee mornings. So she's just been wonderful. <laughs> Alongside of that, we help people with um, medical expenses. Um, we take them to medical appointments. We have a couple of um, friends that we've been supporting long, long time. Um, some people who are living with mental health issues, um, and again, lots of people who have um, look who, who have maybe 
<clears throat> mental health issues, physical issues, and it takes very little for them to actually sort of fall apart because they're living on very little anyway. Mm. So we're able to sort of step in um, on a case-to-case basis and, and help. And not only that, provide that help very quickly, uh, yeah. which is, um, uh, you know, a big relief to them. I think that's important, the timing of that. Sometimes, um, I guess, if you go elsewhere, there is a very different procedure, um, you know, in seeking that help and getting that help. We have helped people um, get into permanent accommodation. We've just helped a gentleman get some um, into an aged care facility. Um, Fantastic gentleman who was living under very, very difficult situations, which I won't go into. He was 80 odd. Um, we have helped um, advocate for people um, with housing um, with the, when they've had issues there. Um, we have helped um, some people who have no government support for whatever reason and are really falling between the cracks. And we've been able to help one, one um, friend in particular. He had absolutely, literally nothing. And we just supported him for about six months with his, um, with his rent. So a whole um, variety of things. Again, we're able to um, talk to people, see what they need, and in most cases help out. And then that ongoing support to make sure they're all right. I think um, one of the things that Pip and I have been discussing in the last 24 hours, talking to yourself, talking to Sue, and talking to a couple of other organisations, is the biggest um, barrier to actually helping someone is pride. Yeah. And it seems, you know, even just talking about your your guests at the friendship dinner, they're, they're more than just a client. They're, they're part of your community and, you know, this outreach is there for them and there's no judgment whatsoever. Absolutely right, Jacinta. Again, one of the, um, I guess, one of the, the things that we follow is um, meeting everybody where they're at. No judgment on any level at all and taking the time to sit with them, uh, get to know them, not bombard them with help because sometimes it's a bit overwhelming yeah absolutely we all have big hearts and we want to just fix everything mm. not the way to go about it we have learned that um all along the way so uh get to know people have a laugh with them have a yarn with them and just dig a li- little bit deeper to see how they really are yeah and what that's I, exactly right jacinta yeah. what i found is that most people don't want the stuff they just oh. want the time and it's like kids, you know, kids spell Absolutely. love through time, as time. And yeah. I think people are just the same. Adults are just the same. They just want time. No brainer, isn't it? Yeah. Stating the blatant obvious, as I say, uh, all the time. We need always to pinch ourselves. and Yeah. yeah We've all got the minute. same 24 hours. You've just so got to true. spend it wisely. So true. Yeah. Um, so the last thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to put a spotlight on Michelle here. What other volunteer organisations do you work with? Well, I, I... Considering I, that you've got so much time. Look, I've been with Lifeline for probably about seven years. I'll give a big shout-out to Lifeline. That's a fantastic organisation. Always after volunteers. So, you know, um, if you think that's a good for, fit for you. And it's local as well. That's the great thing. We have a, um, we have a Lifeline office and um, phone booths actually at, at Sylvania, which is wonderful. And I do a little bit, it's not volunteer work, but I work for the Salvation Army. I work on their drought relief program as an assessor. And basically that is assisting the farming community who have been financially impacted by the drought and are really doing it tough. So other than having a beautiful Irish accent, 
honoured that you've taken time out this morning to come and see us and spend some time with us. So thank you so much for that. It's a pleasure, Jacinta. I'm, I'm glad I could just tell you, share a little bit about Parent Concern because it's a fabulous um, organisation. If I can throw in one last thing. Yes, please do. Um, look, we're a very small group. We are always looking for um, volunteers and um, you can come along to the dinners, have a look at them. See if you like what we do, try before you buy and um, come along and, and help out if you like. So I'll just ask you then, what does it bring you by being a part of Care and Concern? Look, I'm a people's person mm. and what does it bring me? That's a really hard question. I know, sorry. In the morning when I've only had half a coffee. Look, I... But I, it's, the, it's, the, it's the why. Yeah, why, would you, yeah. why would you do this for people? Like, yeah. What does it bring you? Look, I, I, think I, I think you just see the value in people um, from all walks in life. Uh, and look, it's that whole thing. I think you just appreciate everything you have. I mean, mm. it does a little bit get back to yourself. And I like to think I make a little bit of difference in that I can bring a smile to somebody's face yeah. and have a bit of a yarn with them and a laugh with them. And that is very um, uplifting for me. And I'm ho hopefully uplifting for them as well. How do we get in contact if we do want to help? Sure. So all you have to do is just phone the St. Aloysius um, Parish Office and you can just go online. And, and yeah, we're going to put the details the in the show links yeah, as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And I, I thank you too to the parish priest there, Father James McCarthy, because uh, as I said, the parish is very supportive of what we do. All of that it is. No, he's well, nice to thank meet you both. Thank you so much for coming by, Michelle. It's and a pleasure. I, I, well, we just want to dive out. We really appreciate that. So we're going to dive straight into the sport. Sport? Because uh, Dylan has filed her report. She's been amazing this week. Thanks for joining Shia Pod on the Being There Today podcast. My pleasure. You are an accomplished. accomplished swimming coach. How long have you been coaching and where do you work? Okay, so I've, I've been coaching for 25 years now. Um, and pretty well all of that's been at Sutherland Leisure Centre. So I'm, I'm currently the... Uh, specialist head squad coach at Southern Leisure Centre and also head coach of their swim club, which is SLC Aperon. Where did your passion for coaching come from? Did you swim competitively when you were younger? Yes, yeah, I, I swam uh, right through my, my, my school years. Um, and then as I was kind of finishing school, my, my old swim coach, said that swim coaching was a great job for getting you through university um, so I, I kept swim coach I started swim coaching whilst I was at uni and uh, finished uni and uh, I'm still coaching now so um, I obviously enjoy it apart from getting up at four o'clock in the morning every morning but um, yeah it's uh, it's been really good the last few years with um, you know kind of getting onto Australian teams and, and also teams from other countries around the world so it's 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 quite exciting now. Swimming training requires hard work, getting up early and lots of um, hours in the pool. What other fitness training to let swimmers do? So my guys, uh, they actually train quite a bit. Um, they train almost as much as a full-time job. So uh, they're in the water 10 sessions a week. So uh, they're in the water for about uh, 
20 hours a week. On top of that, they do uh, three sessions in the gym. So doing lifting weights. So there's another three to four hours there in the gym. And they also do some Pilates work. Uh, so they do one session in Pilates a week. And then uh, they also do some core activation work um, pretty well every day as well. So yeah, quite a bit of training for swimming. Um, and yeah, some of it's done outside the pool as well. Where are the big swim meets in Australia each year and where are they? Okay, so the, the big meets each year would be the, the national swimming championships and also the trials for the major international meet each year. So this year we were supposed to have the Olympics, uh, which would have been the biggest one for this year and, and the biggest one in the, in the four-year cycle. Um, and the trials for that this year would have been in Adelaide, although um, the, the national championships moves around from city to city. So it's not in the same place each year. It can be in a different city each year. Um, unfortunately, they've been cancelled for this year now because of the coronavirus. And so now we're looking forward to Olympic and Paralympic trials next year. Have you coached anyone who has gone on to represent the start, the state or country? Yeah, I've, I've, I've coached lots and lots of people actually who have gone on to represent uh, internationally. Um, so just last year alone, I had six swimmers that represented Australia at different uh, meets around the world with um, three of them coming away with world records. Uh, on top of that, um, I've also coached swimmers from all over the world. So um, I've coached uh, guys from the Czech Republic. Um, I've coached guys from Germany. I've coached guys from the Philippines. Um, I've coached guys from uh, girls from Brazil. Um, where else? I've had a guy from Colombia come and train with me. So we've had quite a few people from all around the world come and train with us. Um, yeah, so which is really good. Do you have a favourite stroke or event? Oh, that's a difficult question. Um, I, I, I like all strokes and, uh, and, and all events, um, but I must say that I guess the event that I've had the most, uh, the, the biggest relationship with has been the 200 butterfly as a coach, just because I've had someone, I've been trying, I've been coaching people to try and win that event at the national championships for, for many, many years. Um, and just this past, last year, I had uh, a girl win it for the first time. So I had lots of silvers and bronzes, but never a gold until last year. So I'd have to probably say the 200 butterfly. Was swim training affected with COVID and is it all back to normal now? Yeah, swimming, swimming was very much affected by COVID. So um, as of the, I think it was around the 22nd of March, all training stopped. So we weren't allowed in the water at all. Um, so we were out of the water then for all of April and then into May as well. Uh, and then from May, I was allowed to bring back some of the guys that were in contention for making the Olympics and the Paralympics. Uh, so they've been allowed to come back to training, but only on a reduced level. And then slowly but surely, we've been able to bring back more and more of the squads since then. So we're still not back to full training yet. Um, we're still not back into competition at all yet, uh, but we're slowly getting there. So what's one tip you can give me to improve my freestyle stroke? Well, that's a hard one without seeing you swim freestyle, but I guess the one thing that I would 
say that's really important is to have a really good breathing pattern because a lot of faults in your freestyle happen when you breathe. So it's really important to make sure that you're breathing properly, um, breathing all your air out underwater and making sure you keep to a good breathing pattern. Cool, I will give that a go. When it's warm enough to swim again. Thanks for talking to us today, Gavin. My pleasure, my pleasure, anytime. I'm Dylan Hamer, your Shirepoint Junior Sports reporter. Have a fab Friday and good luck to all the sport teams. Now it is a fab Friday and it's the 31st of July and you are, if you've just joined us, we are coming to you from... Sweet Mayhem. In Sutherland. On Eaton Street. And the President Avenue. And... Basically, when I was speaking to Carol Fox, uh, who is from the Women's Sports Australia, I was telling her about Dylan and how she was seven years old and doing our reporting for us. And this is what she had to say, Dylan. So I hope you are listening. Hi, Dylan and Carol Fox here, Women's Sport Australia. Loving your work and um, keep doing what you're doing. And if you're posting on social media, tag us so we can keep sharing what you're writing. Yeah, I mean, Carol is awesome, but she is leading the way for uh, gender equality in female sport and uh, certainly making pathways. She's a great role model for administrators and officials and umpires. Um, So even if you don't want to play sport, you can still be a part of the sporting arena by taking one of those paths. Now, I'm just going to do a quick shout out to our members that have joined us uh, since we've done a couple of these interviews. So, Steph Ray, welcome to... uh, Hey, from Shire Women. From Shire Women. Uh, Chris, uh, welcome. And thank you, Stephanie. We love that you're loving our podcast today. Yes. So, and we've got Amanda. She's at home uh, resting up this week. So... The next interview that we've got coming yeah, up. Yeah, so I spoke to Paula and Sophie Hunt, mother and daughter duo, who play netball for the Joeys. Yeah, so I think you couldn't... ended up with a really good interview, didn't you? I also ended up signing up to play with them <laughs> this Saturday for the first time in 25 years. I've got to put on a netball dress. We're taking photos. That, I know, that's going to be hilarious. So, But uh, they were awesome and I just I, they couldn't make it here this morning so I did a pre-record and this is what it is. Okay, I'm here with Sophie and Paula Hunt, who are a mother and daughter duo at Joey's Netball. Welcome. Hello. (laughs) Welcome, Sophie. Um, I want to ask you about Joey's and uh, where it's based. Just tell me a little bit about the organisation and the team that you play for. Okay, so I'm in a senior um, team in the D3 division. Um, Can you tell me what that means? Okay, so that... people that haven't played for a very long time. Okay, so it's probably one of the lower grades um, uh, and being of my vintage, it's probably a suitable um, grade for me to play in, although I did actually get the opportunity to play up in a higher grade last week and really enjoyed it. Um, So, yeah, getting back to the club, I have been associated with the club basically... Before Sophie was even born, I was playing with a group of ladies probably from the time I was in my early 30s right through till current. I haven't actually been with Joey's the entire time. Um, So last year I was playing for Janelli and for about four years I played for Janelli previous to 2020. Um, only because the team that I'd been playing with from my early mid-30s to my early 40s 
disbanded and they there wasn't anywhere for me to play and I was fortunate that a friend who played for Janali invited me into their team. So that's how that came about. So I want to just ask you, how do you do that? Because we had this conversation yesterday about yeah. um, women dropping out of sport yeah. and also just that whole, like, how do you get back into it once you've had kids? You know, okay. You've got all those yeah, well, and routines and juggling. Yeah, and yeah. well, I basically um, just didn't play the years that I was pregnant, obviously, but managed to get back. Um, to a fitness level where I felt like I could continue to play. So I've played basically every season I can apart from those that I've been pregnant. So, yeah, so it's I think it's just about uh, your passion for a sport and, and what you really enjoy doing. Um, I'm not a gym person. I'd much prefer to play a team sport. Um, what does that bring when you play team sport? When you play a team sport it brings a lot of um, uh, social advantages as well you you meet new people um the team that I was originally in with Joey's was a mixture of mums from school um but also mums with children the same age outside of Joey's school so that meant that I wasn't just I was yeah reaching I suppose not reaching out um purposely but I was actually just introduced to people that I I wouldn't have otherwise met so I didn't have any connection yeah well yeah that's the other advantage of playing in your senior years as well because you still get to socialize and where the the fathers tend to have father-son weekends we just tend to have girls weekends what does that look like um I'm a bit excited about yeah um (laughs) it's basically someone just taking on the role of finding somewhere that can take you know eight to ten cackling women and you just all rock up and have a great weekend together yeah and so what's it like for you to have your mum in the same organization like the same uh, netball it's pretty cool Is yeah <laughs> was she a role model for you do you think um in playing that sport because obviously you used to get dragged along to that saturday game when you were little yeah that's right so pretty much every weekend we go and watch mum's games um, and then I started with Joey's in nursery netball when I was about five. Um, and then I was lucky enough that mum coached me from then from, until yeah. probably I was 11 or so mm. and then again in the 16. So she was a pretty big part of my netball journey and a good mentor. Mm. So can you tell me what it was that you liked about that? Because I've got a 13-year-old who doesn't like being coached by me or her father. So what is it that makes a good coach and a good mentor in sport? I've had lots of really good coaches, actually. So mum being definitely one, um, Marianne another, and a very special um, lady, Dion, um, all have been in coach to me in netball and on the court and taught me a lot um, about the game, but also broader than that have been really special women in my life um, and really good friends, actually. Um, Can you describe some of those attributes? Like what is it? Because this is where we get to find out for girls what they're looking for in a coach. Yeah. So I'd say my coaches have been very, like, caring um, and really, like, interested in me as a person, um, really care what I've got going on in life, always checking in. Um, yeah, not just courtside, but really interested in my life. Um they, I'd say my coaches have all been on my level. So there's a 
thing of respect, but obviously I look up to them. They always manage to get on your level and make you feel like you are almost friends with them. Mm. Um, and yeah. So age wasn't really a barrier. Like it was, no. you were able to have a, those conversations. Yeah. Would you agree mm. that that's like? Yeah, I think so. Like, like being, although being her mum, I had to be extra cautious about mm. treating all girls equally. Um, and just, I all, my main aim was to always involve the parents as much as I could so that it wasn't just me making decisions. It was, I would consult parents if I wanted to make any changes with positions or, um, the way I would, was coaching the girls. Um, I basically, I've never really been a textbook coach where I study, you know, um, different drills and moves and all that sort of stuff. I've more or less just taught them how to play from my own experience um, and always encourage the the friendships um, and tried to um, hone in on the positives. Um, although, the, you know, not all players are going to be um, have the same skills, they all have different areas where they are um, where they shine. So you've got to try and hone in on, on that to make them feel that they're, um, their self-worth, yeah, you know. So I wanted to ask you about that, that whole mental health thing, especially with, um, players and coaches, like, yeah. how is it, like, are you able to pick up when things aren't, aren't going well? Or? Yeah. I mean, it's a tricky age. Being a teenager in itself is tricky. And then when you're, coaching teenagers you've actually got to be extra mindful that what they might be going through outside of the sport is something that might um, affect their performance on the day or their performance at training and they may lose a little bit of interest because something else pops up in their life that they that they're more interested in maybe boys maybe um maybe in another sport or an influence outside yeah. it could be anything but I think with with Having um, a daughter myself, I it was a good insight into what th- that sort of age group of girls are going through. So, so can I ask you what were some of the barriers that you saw for girls to participate? Um, I think just sometimes girls lacked the self-confidence. They didn't think that they were good in that position and, oh, no, I'm, I'm only used to playing this position. So if you get them out of position they would need a lot of building up to encourage them to try something different. Mm. Um, And also just being very sensitive towards their, um, the the parents, what the parents want out of um, their their child playing the sport. Some parents are very competitive and, and are very focused on their child getting the court time and the position that they want and the recognition and others kind of just left it up to me and I just remember there being a lot of stuff about fairness on time is that still a big thing yeah yeah and as a player and as a young player I because I started playing when I was quite young I didn't actually play for the school that I attended I played for a local club and that led me on to um, playing in a few rep teams and I let's fe- talk about that since oh, then, shall we we'll yeah. go back a few years and <laughs> Probably <laughs> under under nines, tens, elevens, that sort of era where um, I was I was asked to play 
for um, a Bankstown competition and my parents, neither of them drove, so I always had to rely on someone to pick me up, get me to training and take me to gala days. And and I can remember feeling that feeling of um, I was kind of like the benched player and then I would shine when I got on the court and sort of showed them what I could do. But because the, the I wasn't, I was kind of like the ring in, I wasn't really one of those kids that got a lot of court time. I was there often as a reserve or I would I would have to be thrown into a position that I, I wasn't I mean I remember being put in goalkeeper and I was so short and I just thought, I just looked at the coach <laughs> and went oh okay I'll do that what about you Steph? What's what wins have you had in your budding career as an netballer I've had two premierships in my time playing so one was in my under 11s um yeah that wow. Was an undefeated <laughs> season. It was a pretty good year. I remember being pretty happy about it too. Um, and then last year in my senior team, we had an undefeated season. Um, went down in the semis and then oh. came back in the grand finals and won the game. Um, and that so talk, really talk to me about how you deal with that disappointment right there, that, that loss. What, what does that look like? I remember we were all standing in our huddle at the end of the game and there was one girl who was so close to crying. We looked at her and we were like, do not cry. (laughs) You cannot cry. And I think we were all pretty disappointed because we hadn't lost and we thought we were pretty invincible. Um, But it was, in the end, a really good thing. Um, I think we needed to get that confidence knocked a bit. Um, We could get beaten. Um, So then we just worked really, really hard um, towards the end of the season and then came out on top on the grand final. Yay, so you took it out again. You did. Awesome. All right. Well, I really appreciate that. Thank Mm. you so much. It's a good insight into what's going on. Mm. All right. Yep. Well done. Okay. Thank Thank you. Really hard interview to to break down because it went for about 45 minutes. So I took out the best 12 that I could find to try and uh, action pack it in and uh, give you some real insights into what grassroots sports looks like, what it does for girls. Uh, It builds their confidence. It talks about teamwork. It's just like an incredible um, arena for them to be in. Uh, to find their lifelong friends and um, and hang out and be occupied. And you're looking forward to playing this weekend, aren't Not you? Not really, no. Have you told them what kind of position you play? Yeah, I play. I normally play goal defence, but I'm actually going to be going in as shooter. So that's going to be an interesting transition. But wing defence is the best position, let it me is. tell you. So all those girls used to think that wing defence was terrible, but it's not. Uh, now, we want to move on because I wanted to, I wanted to play this interview for you before we uh, go off air eventually. And grab Maria. And grab Maria. And uh, this one's from uh, Mary Ann, who is the president of Joey's. And she has had absolutely incredible success this year despite COVID. That's awesome, okay. actually. Tell me about the big wins you had this year because that was really exciting to hear. Yeah, so um, I took over the role of president last year in October. Why? I thought the club needed to get put on some rails, some firm rails, and I was worried that there were some glitches in grades missing and um, just that the the senior participation was low like we only had four teams and I thought that we needed to be out recruiting. It's always been something that um, I was confident to do with people as you would have discovered mm-hmm. yesterday. But I thought that we we should 
put a really heavy focus on recruiting, which we did this year, and that's probably our biggest win is we've signed so many players and the club is in really good shape for the future now because you just need a broad base of juniors and seniors. Like Paula said before, she was borrowed, but in the past that wouldn't have even been possible. Mm. Those teams didn't have people to borrow from. So so what do you attribute these low participation participation rates to in those senior sort of years? I think as a club we haven't focused enough on actually really looking after our seniors. We've primarily looked after our juniors and then they get to about under 18s and everyone goes, oh, they don't need a coach, they don't need a manager. Um, you know, they'll, they just put their teams together and away they go, whereas I'm adamant that 18-year-olds under 18s need coaches and I even coach seniors and had in my vision pre-COVID that we would run open seniors training sessions so that women that wanted to turn up and exercise midweek would have somewhere to go. It didn't have to be in their whole team, but they would have a place to go and exercise and do some drills, get to know other people in the club and get that sense of community going amongst the teams. Um, We actually had the first chance to do that last week and we had approximately 40, just under 40 people turned up for that two courts because you're only allowed 20 per court. But we had one of our other seniors who plays with Paula and ex-secretary and stalwart of the club, Karen Tozer, and she turned up and coached the other court and I coached like one court and we had, you know, two, like four full teams playing. It was fantastic. So that sounds like a lot of fun. And how much is that of an influence for like that older, like that older age group to play sport? I'm not sure that it's entirely social for them at that. They're actually like aiming to be fit. And like Paula alluded to before, she likes to do that for fitness rather than go to the gym I'm a bit of a solo trainer, so I sort of, there's all aspects of people wanting to train, but netball fitness is awesome. And um, if you've got people running good sessions, you do really, they come off, you know, really working hard. And But plus it does improve their skills and they care. They're there, they're there to play the sport as well. They love the sport. So it's excellent. Okay, what role do you take on then for mentoring? Um, yeah, I suppose that I've always... You leave the room. No, not really. Um, because it's quite emotional for you. You've got a real connection to the girls in the team. So what? I I think I have a connection to all of them. Well, I try to. Like I really care about them. I like them. Like they're great. Like across the club, they're great people, and. Yeah, I I think I spend time trying to know a little bit about each of them if I can. You can't obviously get around and know everybody, but a lot of the recruiting time that I spend on the phone to new players and to even juniors down to under-16s, I really got to know about the kids, what they're doing, where they're doing it, with which association, which teams, and what they love about the sport. So it's really important to me to actually, they're not just numbers, they're, they're people, and you, you get some fantastic moments out of that. I think Sophie and I decided when Sophie was 14 that we were friends. <laughs> but we weren't. But at the time, I was I was her umpire convener and it was weird because I discovered at the same time that I was actually her friend and it was a good moment. 
And oh my God, that was a very emotional interview. And Marianne is one of those um, coaches and umpires and trainers that, uh, now, like she said, she never actually played a team sport, but she really understands the value of um, like team sport coming together and, and, and just making those girls matter. It was like, incredible. I think we're going back to that whole connectivity yeah. focus again that we were discussing thing. with Michelle. It's having that connection mm. that people need. Yeah, and it really is a community. Like they really band together and they all, you know, swap teams and, and help each other out. And especially like, because it's volunteer base. It's all, it's community sport is volunteer. Like these parents and, you know, kids give up their weekends uh, to umpire other games and to coach, you know, the, the little ones. So just such an incredible connection and I was really really stoked to be able to talk to them um what was going to be a 20 minute interview turned into two hours and I I couldn't leave I just loved it so much well we might have to do a special on that later but I have to admit you know my favorite memories of growing up uh being down at Bellangara getting there at seven o'clock in the morning and not leaving until three four o'clock in the afternoon it's one of those you know communities that You know, you don't just know the people that you play um, play with, the people that you play against, but you end up knowing all the other teams and, and well, everything that's what, else. Yeah, that's the rest of the interview was talking about how it how it's just infiltrated the whole Shire, which yeah. is really good. Yeah. I did want to tell everyone about the, um, uh, the One Meal as well. We were talking to Michelle earlier about what they do, but we spoke to One Meal earlier in the week as well. And they're an amazing organisation because they're actually based here in Sutherland. And we want to put a, sh- a spotlight on them because they're making a real difference they're a not-for-profit community organisation and they're actually providing food, clothing and support, just like um, Michelle was talking about, to the homeless, underprivileged and, um, you know, those people that are really in need, those transitional people who just want somebody to talk to as well. Yeah, I just wanted to shout out to him because they I had such a great conversation. He made me cry three times in that hour. I think I'm just a bit sensitive to all of it all now. a very emotional week researching <laughs> for this week. So we just... Very quickly, like to thank everyone that's you know participated this week, and mm. you know the women in sport, and and even Michelle coming down. Yeah, I just wanted to um, mention our, one of our podcasts that got released again this week. She start, started. It's Emma Castle, who's a journalist. She's um, created a <coughs> podcast show called That Shit Show. Now we're talking about trauma most of the time on these podcasts. It's a really good perspective, you know, um, to just to listen into these stories because it takes them from the day that was just an ordinary day when they woke up um, to something happening and then the whole recovery story afterwards and where they are now. And the, those sto- that's 12 episodes on our station now and they're just incredible. Like they give you some real insights to what people have to go through, what they struggle with, um, what strategies they use to cope. And we're getting some really great reviews for that particular podcast series. It's been um, very, very, very popular. Yes, Nicole Dargie's one dropped on Wednesday with Dean Hallitay. Yes. And yes, so that's um, that's awesome. That's a great interview. She did such a great job on that. Um, so, and he's also the mental well-being uh, officer for the NRL. Well, he was. He's sort of doing his own thing at the moment. Ah, Maria! So, oh, I felt like I had to sing that. Yeah, no, we've got Maria here. So, Maria, welcome. Thank you, Joe. <laughs> so let's let's start because I've been coming here for quite a while because I used to live around the corner. So, tell us, how did you get into pastry chefing? Um, it really started slowly at um, baking at home um, when I was changing careers and during that period I just sort of started to sell to cafes and then I realised that I really needed a set of skills that would take me forward. I enlisted as a mature age student 
and I love that. Uh, <laughs> at Ultimo Tape. And then after a year, I really realised it's all theory if I don't put it into practice. So I um, asked Chris Tay to if I could volunteer at Blackstone. I did that for three months and I absolutely loved it and I was hooked. So I um, asked him if he'd take me on as a mature age student. And he was, uh, yeah, he was happy to do that. And the rest is pretty much history. I just love doing it. He's a great mentor still. And, um, and I really wanted to bring a part of that um, tradition of baking in-house, people seeing the chefs do that um, to the Shire, because I love it. I grew up here and this is where I think, you know, people deserve the best of the best. Now, let's talk about Rita as well, because your sister works with you. She does. Uh, I mean, both of them do. They do. But Rita is also um, a, a pastry chef now too. She is now, yeah. She is. So she trained at Loftus Tafe. Yep. And um, then, you know, did some uh, work experience and um, did some commercial chefing at one of the aged care places and, um, you know, just tran- sort of, I guess, transitioned into the pastry world. So yeah, I'm loving the fact that you're you're, a, you're two sisters at work now. If you have just tuned in, where it's um, Sutherland at Sweet Mayhem. Now you guys um, are two sisters that work together, mm-hmm. but your other sister Jay is actually working today as well, and she works on Fridays, which is Rita's days o- day off. So shout out to Rita who's having a lovely day off today. That's right. But how did you get Jay to work for you as well? Oh, you know, Jay is uh, a. Um She's a counsellor and she's kind enough to, on her day off, to come and help. I know, family. I know. <laughs> Is that what that looks like? I know. <laughs> I don't know if I want to work with my sister all oh, day. Oh, trust me, we have the days. We have those days. <laughs> yeah, what, is, what sort of a relationship have you got with her? Like, what's that Do you know now what? that you're adults? Because it's very different from when you're kids. Yeah, I think it's... Um, do you know when you have to work with somebody, it's a different thing than a family relationship because there's a different level of, um, I guess, interaction. You know, mm. you, you set your standards, they have different standards, they have different ways of doing things and it's that acceptance that um, I think it's actually highlighted a lot of areas for ourselves that we didn't see in each other, strengths, weaknesses, blind spots. But for the most, I think we've both, all of us have benefited from the experience. Yeah. What's it done? Draw you closer, do you think? Yeah. Or, yeah. No, yeah, or just what? see each other differently? I think it's matured. I think we see each other in a mature adult pair of eyes rather than a familial pair of eyes. Mm. Does that mean, you know, you see friends differently than you do family and I think that that's the transition. Yeah, the transition that's been interesting. Yeah. That's nice. So I've got to ask, let's talk about food. Yes. Because if anyone sees me, you know how much I love my food. No. 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 Let's talk about um, what is your most popular item here? Um, do you know, people say like uh, the um, watermelon cake was is the most famous for Blackstar. But I don't think you can choose your favourite. I think it chooses you and a customer's choose it most of all. And uh, funny enough, the lemon meringue chiffon which I customised for a customer's uh, uh, young daughter's birthday. And um, and it, it's become one of our most popular. And it, it has a sentiment. I always believe that people's favourite thing is attached to a memory, whether it's your grandmother, it's your mother's favourite, whatever it may be. And the lemon meringue chiffon just brings back a lot of memories for, for you know older people and for younger people. It's, it's a surprise and a new thing. 
So that's probably And you've just recently released your tiramisu as well. I have. It took me a long time. You know, um, they say creativity has to percolate. So I've been sitting on this for a year. <laughs> no pun intended on a tiramisu cake. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but it just just didn't come together, you know, and sometimes you trip over your ego and nothing good comes out of ego, let me tell you. So it has to come out of spirit. And that's where the tiramisu, just all of a sudden somebody asked me to, to make one and I said, no, no, I'm not ready. And all of a sudden it sort of, yeah. It appeared. It appeared. It's delicious. It is. It, I have to admit, I got one of the first tastes and it's amazing. And it's my first okay. amazing today. Um, so what other um, desserts do you actually provide here? Well, we do tarts and we're very, very, uh, I guess, conscious of providing uh, dietary requirements. So we've just converted all of our large tarts to, uh, we're not, still individual tarts, but um, to gluten-free. Um, and we have, uh, you know, muffins, we've got galettes, which is a puff pastry with beautiful fruit and custard. Um, you know, like, well, we've got a lot, a selection of cakes, and really celebration cakes is what I'd like to think we're, we're about. Um, and uh, a variety of, I guess, little goodies like lamingtons, good old favourites. Uh, we've got brownies, little hedgehogs. Yeah, we try to, and, and it's seasonal and it will change, you know, like we've gone into vegan dessert pots and tried a whole host of other things because we're mindful that... Now, now I know that you donate um, your home-baked goods to Care and Concern. Mm. Why do you do that? Um, because... Because I, I, in my business charter, right from the beginning, I believe that you put back in the world and you, you know, you play it, you pay it forward, and um, that's why I do it because I think everybody deserves a special treat, and if I can contribute to somebody's, you know, special dinner, then that that's just, uh, you know, to me, um, it yeah, brings joy. It. it brings joy. Yeah, yeah, brings you joy, them yeah. joy. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. So, and Michelle's such a good soul, and she's a good friend. So, it, I didn't think twice. Yeah, oh. yeah. <laughs> I love that. Didn't think twice at all. Now, you don't just do the sweets. Let's talk your savouries here. Yeah. We have um, quiche Lorraine, um, and I make the pastry on the premises. We have uh, frittato. We've got um, our pies, two pies, Guinness beef, and uh, chicken mushroom bacon. Uh, and I have the sausage rolls, which, you know, everything is pretty much made on hand. Hello, Sophie. It's nice to see Oh, Sophie. Yeah. It's good to see Sophie this morning. We've got your future in sales and marketing on uh, the Instagram. Yep. And we've got uh, someone called MS Speaks Spod as well. Oh, good. I love um, that. The, the question I was getting um, from here was, uh, do you have any dairy-free desserts? Uh, yep. The uh, chocolate, sweet mayhem chocolate cake is a vegan-based cake. And everybody sometimes, you know, has a, you know, I guess a question in regards to that. But it's second to none. And that the re reason we keep it is it's a beautiful, fudgy, very uh, smooth on the t um, amount. So, yeah, we've got that. We've got um, uh, our orange cake is dairy-free without the icing. We can do that as an option. Um, muffin, uh, the vegan pumpkin muffins are both gluten-free and dairy-free. So, yeah, we do have um, some options there. I've been trying to talk um, Maria into making pumpkin pie for us for for Christmas. So well, I can tell you who could be happy about this. There'll be Sarah from So Shire. Yes, very happy. Gluten free and dairy free. Yeah. So 
options. Good, good options, as we like. Yeah, okay. Well, all right. Now, the other thing is, let's talk about your barista. Mm. Um, so, the only male in your team, more or less. Yeah. So, who is he and how did you find him? Well, it's part of my affirmative action plan. Uh, <laughs> gender equality. Gender equality. Um, Leroy pretty much was referred to me by another good friend. That's how the Shire works, really. And... Um, we just clicked, you know, two very passionate people. We, you know, his coffee is got to be perfect every time as m- as my cakes are. So, uh, yeah, just I think we're soulmates and he's just... A bunch of perfectionists. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my God. He's still practising. I'm though. a fighting perfectionist. Can we just not hang out then? <laughs> Obsessive compulsive, yeah, yeah. No, so he uh, he's amazing and got great rapport with the customers freak in regards to memory he memorizes everybody's coffees so yeah couldn't ask for better and the little marionette coffees um, ah there it is you know, uh, give it a shout out yeah hello <laughs> it's a great coffee and uh, Leroy loves to work with it so I think it's a combination of great skills and great ingredients thank you for the lovely coffees this morning too from mm. Leroy who's right behind us which is why the coffee machine is so loud so thank you Leroy Thank you so much, and thank you for everything that you do for the care and concern too. That's an amazing opportunity and support for the pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. No worries. All right. Well, we are near at the end of the show, and it's been another action-packed episode, especially focusing on our women in sport. We've just got two more interviews that we want to play through that we can record this and download and upload it later on today. Um, But, you know, just to to know what sort of a community uh, the Sutherland Shire is and how well connected we are here, it's just incredible to, you know, to feel that. You can feel that, you know, you can pretty much walk in here and, you know, meet somebody that you already know. Yep. Well, I want to introduce Rachel Herrick. She is from New South Wales Basketball and I met her last year at the uh, sporting convention and um, she's an inclusion officer but she's also a national champion. She won a silver medal in 2007 and she's played basketball all her life. She is part of that community that tries to make everybody feel included. So you're not discriminated against because you might have a disability or you have a hearing problem or you you can't see or whatever it is. So there's a whole program that the New South Wales sport is doing to make sure that those participants can come in and play. Uh, So Rachel, can you tell me what do clubs and administrators need to consider when planning to create an inclusive sporting community? Uh, well, I think um, you know inclusion in sport isn't certainly anything new, but I think it's something that it's um, you know certainly on the rise and really heightened at the moment in sport. But I think for clubs and um, associations, I definitely think it's the education piece is front centre of mind to educate the coaches, educate their administrators. Um, you know, they need to get to know the participant, they need to understand their needs. Um, and that those two pieces certainly go together to make their club more inclusive. You know, educating on you know how they can modify the game, modify the sport. There's also education around you know the expectation and how they can maximise the opportunity for those participants. Yeah, and um, what advice can you give those players about creating a space that feels inclusive? Uh, I definitely think it's more around like the language of how you how you speak to people. Um, and I, I, whether depending on like what sort of you know, classification that it might be, I think it's still just you know how you how you speak to people, how you treat people. I think um, you know ordinarily we just greet people and we just expect them to know what we're talking about, make them feel included and part of it because it shows that you understand as well. And have you got some great examples of what Basketball New South Wales is doing to improve the inclusion? 
Yeah, so we're certainly um, recently just in this time at the moment, especially during COVID, we've certainly um, you know, surveyed a lot or spoken with a lot of our associations as far as um, what, what they're needing. So we're quite new in the inclusion journey, to be fair. Um, so we're really looking at the education piece at the moment and how we can roll that out. Um, whether it just be a few associations at a time or holistically, understanding that all associations are different part. In the ideal world, we'd love to have everybody um, be an inclusive hub or know that um, people in inclusion programs can turn up there. So at the moment, we're look, really looking at the education piece um, and then we're looking at setting up just a few associations to run pilots um, so that basically we can have um, more resources to be able to undertake some training um, in, the, in the inclusion space. Um, to then run some pilot programs, so that is in the, the ID space. We've um, ramped up some activity in the wheelchair um, space as well. So we have a few of our associations that are now um, running wheelchair programs as well. Um, so once we're able to sort of box that up or create some good news stories out about, we can roll that through our community um, to show that it can be done. I think in sport that, um, or in all areas of life really, um, people get a bit afraid of knowing how to do something. So if we can show them how to do it, um, then we're hoping that it will be a, a much easier and smoother process to roll out across the state. Well, what's an idea of, you know, just changing, a, a, like a, a tweaking a small attitude or a, a behaviour that would then make those, because for people who aren't um, disabled or, you know, not in that space, sometimes, like you were saying, they don't know. So what is it, what is something that they don't know that they can take away today? Yeah, so um, basically, certainly like in the registration process, um, I think we often have just like a one, one, you know, form fits all kind of that, you know, that people just have to fill out. So I think one thing that we're looking to implement is as part of the registration process is gaining some further information so that you show that you're understanding those participants. It might be something along the lines of, um, you know, what skills do they have? So it might be in the, uh, you know, the ID or the, you know, what are their strengths rather than what are the things they're good at? So that if you understand what they're good at, then coaches can hone in on those skills to make them feel included and welcome and that they know what they're good at so that they can, it's not a trigger or anything like that. So um, the, the education, the understanding piece or the, reg that the registration phase is something that we're really looking at um, so that the coaches feel better equipped and better prepared be able to then you know tailor a session to their needs i love that you're focusing on their ability and not the disability i think yeah. that's just uh fabulous so i just want to say thank you for joining me today and um, i know that the community will definitely benefit from the information that you've shared oh no problem at all thanks so much yeah, and Rachel was amazing to speak to. So she's very inspiring and uh, a real advocate for women's sport and the pathways that you can take, um, even if you do have, you know, uh, limited capacity. Throughout the week, we've been sending our podcast link out to those businesses and organisations that we've mentioned or have taken part in the episode with several other cafes, including Knuckleheads, telling us that they had the business awards and shy women finalists coming into the cafe because of the broadcast. Yeah, so for us, we just wanted to make that happen and it's obviously that that's what it is. So we really appreciate everyone who is turning up, tuning in and taking an interest in this initiative. So on that note, we're also pleased to announce that the Southside Local, a newly released digital wallet membership that is building a community of loyal customers who are supporting the local business owners, 
in Sutherland Shire is teaming up with Shypod to bring you the latest deals. Yeah, I spoke to Cam the other day and um, he's got some great initiatives for cafes and just, you know, gyms and... Uh, and beauty salons and he's coming up with these specials every week so you can go to the Southside uh, local Facebook page okay. and Instagram and you can download the uh, the app or the it's a, like a wallet it's just like a thing that you walk around with and yeah it literally sends you out the discounts now Knuckleheads is offering a 50% discount on their cookies if you buy a coffee now if you haven't had a look a plated affair actually posted the photos of their ice photos this week nice. and I swear they're the size of the palm of my hand Hand. So if you get the chance, yeah. go down to Knuckleheads and see if you can pick up some. Yeah, so Cam just has only just released this this week. It's been going for a couple of months and it's already up to you know over 500 members or something like that. So he's having a great response because I think that everybody's looking, you know, we know where the local stuff is and we know where the deals are, but it's great to be able to access, you know, especially if you're in another particular part of Sutherland Shire because nobody goes over the bridge. No, we don't. No, no, no. <laughs> so just recapping where we are at the moment, we're currently uh, at Sweet Mayhem at Sullen. It's been great having all these people here, but Pip, can you tell us a little bit more about the Southern Shire podcast station? Uh, yeah, so we wanted to let you know that we do have a guesting agency and that if you would like to be a guest on a podcast, we've got a number of hosts that have got shows that are looking for guests all the time, including this one. Uh, if, you've got, if you're an expert or if you've got a story to share, um, especially one of those history ones, we'd love one of those as well. So we're putting a big shout out to anybody who wants to be on a podcast but doesn't want to be a host. It's definitely a, a brand booster and a business profile builder. So if you missed last week's episode with Pip and Amanda at Knuckleheads, you can listen to that and the other three episodes at the Southern Shire Podcast Station on the Podbean platform at ShirePod. Um, you can listen on Podbean, Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, so we want to thank the Local Business Awards and all the finalists in the Sutherland Shire area and um, and just send out a shout that that event is coming up very, very soon. So you can go onto their website and have a look at who the finalists are. We're also going to be listing them into the show notes and uh, we want to send out a big congratulations to them. Now, my final interview is with Carol Fox. She is... Women's Sport Australia. She is uh, just an amazing executive coach, conference speaker and masterclass facilitator. Uh, she has assisted thousands of people in improving their professional and personal lives through building confidence. Now, this is what was something that you know was really highlighted today about one of the barriers for sport. Uh, she helps them find motivation and learn better ways to communicate. Now, I've actually done this course and I can tell you it's like 600%. Uh, in the way that you speak and the positivity that you need to bring to your language so that you are an interesting and engaging person and that people want to be around you more. Uh, She's got a book called Confident Communication for Leaders. She's been doing it for over 30 years and she's collaborated on all levels of government, not-for-profit and corporate clients, sharing the practical, effective concepts of that book. So this is Carol's interview and I really want to say thank you to her for this. All right. So I'm speaking with Carol Fox, who is the president of the Women's Sport Australia, who is a national advocacy agent um, for women in sport. Welcome, Carol. Oh, thanks for having me, Pip. Now, you're doing some great work out there. Do you want to tell me what it is that you're actually doing and how important the communication is that you're teaching our officials and um, sporting associations? Yeah, look, the work I'm doing is uh, based on my book, Confident Communication for Leaders. And what we're doing is going out into 
sports organisations or some of the councils are setting up programs where we're working with coaches and officials to get them to be more confident uh, so that they can step up and go into those positions and um, also get more women on board on community sport as well. So the more confident they are, the more willing they are to put their hand up and be part of those committees. And we really need them to be doing that because we need our young girls to be able to look around a sports ground and see women doing uh, some of these roles so that they can see that there's something beyond just playing sports. So what have been some of the barriers in the past for women to join these um, positions? Um, I think a lot of the time they think they don't have all the skills that they need. Um, you know, we know this a lot of the time for boards, women need to be tapped on the shoulders for positions. They don't kind of put themselves forward. Um, it's that old adage, you know, there's 10 skills required. They've got nine, so they don't bother applying. Whereas, you know, males generalizing here, they might have five and they'll still apply for the job. So, um, one of the big barriers is that they just don't put themselves forward. Um, and then for some of them, they just feel like they get talked over and not listened to by the people that are already there. Yeah, the, the, the females to stay engaged in a the club, they need to have connections. So it's about um, being welcomed. Uh, it's about connecting with other people in the club, about being respected. So the clubs that are doing that well are definitely, you know, make, re- retaining their female athletes. But, you know, we know the big drop-off age is 15 years old. If they don't feel engaged, if they don't feel like they're part of something, if they're not respected and not treated well, then the club loses them. Yeah, and how can we support them through that? Because obviously through doing something like your course. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's lots yes. of things. I, can do. I mean, my course is fabulous. But, but it, 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 I've done your course, so I know exactly what it's like. <laughs> um, you know, it's just about engaging them and keeping them engaged, but also them, young girls being able to look around and go, hey, hang on, I can be an umpire, I can be a referee. Wow, you know, I can get on the board and I can have a say. Um, I can be a coach. When they've got those role models around them and they think that's normal, then it's the next step on. They might not want to play sport anymore, but at least the clubs can keep them engaged because they see that there's another possibility out there for them. Yeah, it sounds like there's so much more for them than just to uh, play on the field. Well, I just want to thank you for thank you so much for joining us today, and um, that's great. I'll speak to you soon. Oh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it, and um, I love love your work. All right, and that that is the interview uh, outtakes for today. Seriously, thank you so much for hanging in there. Uh, women in sport is just a passion of mine. I love it. I think that it's really important that we create pathways for it. Uh, so thanks for hanging in there. Now, listen, we've actually got Zoe, uh, who is a loyal customer, and he's come all the way from Karela to Sutherland for his coffee. Welcome, Zoe. How you going, guys? We love it. We love the spontaneity of this stuff. You can't script it. No, you can't. No, you can't. Now, now tell me, what make, what makes you come all the way over from Kirila to Sutherland for your coffee every I'll tell day? tell you what, it's great coffee, great service, great people. Rural ambassador to Sutherland Shire. It's sweet, mate. Great cakes, 
recommended it to a lot of people. They love it. Um, we're going to Canberra now to ride our mountain bikes because it's a mountain bike and road bike hub. People yeah. come here all the time. It's when they're going south, north, we always end up at the same place. It's like, here's cheers. Does everybody know that though? Or are we now telling everybody that this I, is the hub? I think we're telling everybody. <laughs> I better tell the ladies, free coffee for a year. <laughs> now, where do you normally ride from and to? Okay, so start in Carilla. We go down to Sublime. So Bulleye, Wollongong, that's on the road. Mountain Bike, Mills Creek, National Park. Hashtag. Uh, Mills Creek, car park, please. <laughs> We need a car park because we... Carmelo. Carmelo, We're yeah. talking to you, yep. Mr. Koala, hashtag. <laughs> can I say that? Yeah, I can say whatever you like. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, he's a good friend of a friend of mine, so I think... Oh, listen, he is like 0.2 degrees of separation from everyone in the show. Well, shire. absolutely. <laughs> so between me and him, we know Donald Trump somehow down the line, right? Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> now... What, what's your uh, coffee? What do you have? I have an almond flat white. I'm lactose intolerant. I won't bore you with okay, details. But TMI. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's Sorry. Right. <laughs> no, that's really interesting. And what's your favourite cake here? Oh, the custard tart. Oh, yum. 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 Have you had it? No. you got to have it. Okay. The girls here, off next level. So custard tart, sweet man him, custard tart. And wow. I'm not getting paid to do this, right? No, no, not now. No. You might in the future, though, <laughs> if you keep going. Um, now, what, what do you do for work? I've got an IT phone system company. Okay, let's have a shout-out to that company. <laughs> Hashtag Comsys. And what do you actually do, though? So we specialise all in um, cloud computing, cloud phone systems. So if you want to connect all your multiple offices into one, if you're relocating, keep your same number. If you want to grow, we can have, help you grow. You can grow from one person up to 100 people. So we have a wide variety of uh, clients from people who have 10 users all the way up to 1,000 users. So has your business thrived? We have, yeah, fortunately. Yeah, you're the like, one. Yeah, I know. I don't like saying it with all the downturn oh, no, and all good. that. But it's look, good. It, it is what it is. You know, yeah. we we got to do what we got to do. You enable other people to stay at work. Absolutely. Though. So look at Absolutely. like that. Look so we're still employing people as well. So yeah. we're still bringing people into work for us. So we're still driving the economy, trying to grow the economy. Um, yeah. How, t- how tough is it out there, though? Because you would be talking to the people that you're helping. Look, the thing is, it is tough. Right, people are starting to reduce and, you know, it's it's not about getting tough, it's about smart operating and that's what it's all about. It's all about cutting the fat and making sure that you're running lean and just getting through this little bit of a tough time but it's all about being positive. It's the positive attribute, like, you know, you're positive, you... Your aura gives positive vibes to everyone else, and you just keep it going. Like, well, when you walked in, you certainly attracted our attention. There you go. Yeah, I don't know what it was, and I had my back to you as well. So wow. that's a good, that's a good vibe. And I did have a shower and put the other on, so it wasn't the smell. <laughs> <laughs> definitely not the smell. Definitely not the smell. Well, we really appreciate you stopping in on your way to Canberra. Thanks, Say hi guys. to my son. He's down at the academy. Hello. Yeah. What's he doing? In the air, in the air force. Oh, sweet. Yeah. So he's... they've just been. They've just come out of lockdown after the two weeks. So the self-imposed lockdown. That's so, awesome. Yeah, yeah. He's down there. Hashtag air force. Hashtag. Dod. Top gun. I think it is. <laughs> Hashtag top gun. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So thank you so much. It's thank great you to guys. see you. Yeah, Lovely to meet appreciate you. Appreciate your time. Yeah. Cheers, thanks. All right. Good to see you. Now, just a quick shout out also to um, one of our favourite guests here. Today's the last day of Plastic Free July, and sustainable organisations are the Southern Shire. 
are looking for entrance in their local business awards. Sarah Jo volunteers her time to educate cafe and business owners about the inexpensive, cost-saving and environmentally friendly changes that won't bust the bottom line. So visit So Shire on their website. And... Uh, thank you very much, Steph, for um, your shout-out. Yes, Sweet Mayhem is a great choice of cafe. I have a feeling Maria is actually coming towards me at the moment with some of her lovely marshmallows. I'll have to make sure that Pip grabs some of that. We're at Sweet Mayhem at Sutherland. A big shout-out to our producer and co-host today, Pip, who has done so much work. Just working it. Yeah. Working the room. But she's done so much work this week having these interviews that she's gone along and, and done with all these women in sport shout out to dylan our junior reporter like and um a shout out thank you to leroy for giving us our beautiful coffees this morning maria for having us here at sweet mayhem uh it seems like the rush is starting to die down here too actually. we got in right now it's probably time for us to go as well it is lunchtime it, is it no no um <laughs> anyway thank you very much jay and uh, we'll be back next week yep next week next week I'm absolutely stoked about next week because we are at the boat shed. They're currently closed for renovations at in the moment. In Warrenora. In the lovely. So if you are in Warrenora, come down and have a coffee with us. And Be like Zoe and just jump on the mic. Well, I've got some really great news. We've actually spoken to Scott Della from the New South Wales Royal Fire Service and he's going to be joining us and talking about Warrenora RFS. So um, that's going to be really exciting. I can't wait to speak to Scott. Seven o'clock in the morning. Love a passion project. All right. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the Been There podcast. Take care and stay safe.